Hello, and welcome to the Curious Clubhouse Podcast. I'm your host, as always, Jason. And if you're new to this podcast, this is a weekly podcast where I take you on a brief, informative journey into a specific subject or topic that has helped shape and influence today's pop culture. We're talking about our favorite books, movies, TV shows, and video games. Tons of pop culture. This week on the Curious Clubhouse, we're talking about our next video game franchise. We're headed back to the underworld of hell in the Diablo series. Uh, this is a very successful series, video game series created by Blizzard Entertainment. Uh, I'm sure a lot of people are familiar with Blizzard. Uh, they created games like World of Warcraft, uh, among others. So this week we're talking about the Diablo series. Super excited for this episode, uh, as are a few of our Curious Clubhouse fans as well. They've been looking forward to this episode for a while, so I hope that I can do it justice. As always, I'll tell you a bit about what Diablo is. We'll discuss some of the origins and inspirations behind this iconic franchise. This week, I got a couple of new segments for you, the first one being Curious Premise. We'll tell you a bit about what the Diablo series is about and kind of what it entails plot-wise. Also this week, we have Curious Crossovers, where we'll talk a little bit about some some other games and other things that Diablo has crossed over with. And as always, talk about some other properties, uh, bringing back the other properties section this week. Haven't had that section in a couple of weeks. Looking forward to that. And as always, end things with some curious and unusual facts about Diablo. So without further ado, let's dive in here and let's get curious. So what is Diablo? Well, Diablo is an action role-playing dungeon crawler video game series developed by Blizzard North and continued by by Blizzard Entertainment after the North Studio shut down in 2005. The series is made up of three core games, Diablo, Diablo 2, and Diablo 3. Expansions include the third-party published Hellfire, which follows the first game, Lord of Reaper, or Destruction, published by Blizzard and released after the second game, and Reaper of Souls, which follows the third game. Additional content is provided through story elements explored in other media forms. Diablo 4 was announced at BlizzCon in 2019, uh, and if you're a diehard Diablo fan, you know that Diablo 4 is coming. The open beta is next month, uh, as long with another beta if you pre-order. I have not pre-ordered Diablo 4 myself. I uh, definitely need to do that. Uh, full disclosure here, I have played part of Diablo 2 Resurrected, I played Diablo 3, and most of Diablo Immortal. So I myself am kind of new to Diablo. In fact, I didn't get into Diablo until, oh, probably a couple of years ago. So pretty recent for me. Um, up until getting into Diablo, I had a thing where I was not a huge fan of like over-the-top RPGs. Uh, it just was not a big thing for me, but I, you know, I, I watched some gameplay on Diablo 3, I decided to give it a chance, and I was not disappointed. I uh, love Diablo now, huge Diablo fan, and I'm looking for the newest entry into the series, Diablo 4. Uh, so continuing on here, the series is set in the dark fantasy world of Sanctuary, and its characters are primarily humans, angels, and various classes of demons and monsters. The first three games in the series take place in similar geographic areas with several common areas including the town of Tristram and the region around Mount Eris. 
Other notable settings include the High Heavens and the Burning Hells, two separate realms with ties to Sanctuary. The series primarily focuses on the ongoing conflict between the humans living in Sanctuary and the demon hordes who are led by Diablo. The series' overarching antagonist, the humans, are occasionally aided by angels, notably the Archangel Tyrael. The video game series popularity and success has resulted in the publishing of several books relevant to the Diablo setting, covering a wide range of timelines of the universe. There are also comics that explore various stories within the world of Sanctuary, and we will dive a little bit deeper into those books and comics in our Curious Properties section of the episode. As of May 30th, 2012, the series has sold over 24.8 million copies worldwide. Uh, That in and of itself is absolutely amazing amazing super incredible uh, obviously with numbers like that it is a massive franchise so yeah definitely very successful there a uh, lot of big numbers posted up for diablo 24.8 million copies sold uh, really really impressive numbers there so that is what diablo is in a nutshell uh, it is an rpg over the top you um play as an angel uh, or very i guess not an angel various classes um in the game including a necromancer a monk a demon hunter uh among others i, I can't remember all of them i didn't list them here uh but yeah you play you create your own character uh you know has a very in-depth character creation system uh it's really really interesting very very fascinating uh the level of detail they have with their character creation system in diablo but yeah that is what diablo is in a nutshell so now that we know what it is let's dive into the origins and inspirations tell you a bit about how the concept for the first diablo game came along and thus spanned out all of these sequels and expansions so diving into this here, the origin of the first Diablo came from David Brevik while at Condor Games around 1994. Brevik was heavily inspired by the roguelike genre with turn-based combat, but with simplified role-playing game elements and a more expansive loot system. The name Diablo was based on Mount Diablo, which was where Brevik lived when he conceived the game idea. And I found that very interesting. I, I actually, I did not expect the name Diablo to be based on uh, Mount Diablo where he lived. I actually expected it to be on the variation of the name Diablo for uh, the Christian devil. Uh, Boy, was I wrong. Uh, So very interested to find out that little fact there. Uh, Condor was working alongside Blizzard Entertainment at the time on a separate title. Blizzard offered to help develop Brabic's idea as it shared a concept with their recent Warcraft orcs and humans, but strongly urged that they convert the game from turn-based to real-time combat, as well as later urging, including of multiplayer, over their new Battle.net service. Over the course of development, Blizzard acquired Condor Games, with Condor located in San Mateo, California, becoming Blizzard North, while Blizzard's main offices in Irvine, California, became Blizzard South. Diablo was released in January of 1997. Now, I will say there is some speculation 
speculation as to whether it released in January of 1997 or towards the end of December of 1996. Uh, but we can be sure that it did release, uh, you know, within the time span of December of 96 and early January of 97. Uh, Diablo was a top-selling game in 1997 with over a million copies sold that year, leading Blizzard to announce its sequel, Diablo 2. The sequels, while retaining much of the same gameplay as the original title, used very little of the original code and had no formal design approach. Released in June 2000, Diablo 2 sold over 2 million copies within a month and a half of release and reached 4 million a year later. Uh, yet again, more impressive numbers with the sequel, uh, so it's no surprise why this series is so expansive and massive, and thus we are now getting a fourth entry. Work on Diablo 3 started in 2001 at Blizzard North, but around 2003, several key figures from Blizzard North, include Brevik and the studio's founders, Max and Eric Schaefer, left the company over a dispute with Vivendi Games, the parent of Blizzard Entertainment. While the remaining staff of Blizzard North continued to work on their version of Diablo 3, on the existing Diablo 3 title, or excuse me, on their version of Diablo 3, Blizzard closed down the studio in August 2005 and scrapped most of the work on the existing Diablo 3 title and restarted its development within its own teams. Even after restarting development, Diablo 3 had a protracted development but eventually was released in May 2012. Its initial launch was met with some criticism for changes from the prior Diablo formula as well as requiring players to be connected to the internet to play. But over ongoing patches and updates, Blizzard has been said to have improved the game from this initial take. And I have to agree, you know, I like I said, I've played Diablo 3. Um, I actually played the Switch version of the game and it still turned out to be a really interesting very fascinating experience. I love Diablo 3, and from its initial inception up to now, uh, they've added seasons to Diablo 3, and they've made various uh, quality of life improvements that have overall made Diablo 3 a fantastic entry into the franchise. Uh, and thus, Diablo 4 coming out this month uh, looks to top that, and I have no doubt that it will. So, yeah, that is a bit about the origins of the Diablo franchise, how it got started, how it kind of lifted off, and how subsequently we've gotten multiple games in the series. So, very successful, very great franchise here. It's very dark, it's very gritty. Uh, it's about demons and angels and monsters. So yeah, of course it's dark and gritty. But that is a bit about the origins. Now let's tackle our first new segment of the week, Curious Premise, where I'll tell you a bit about the universe of Diablo and what it kind of entails. So really looking forward to this here. The universe of Diablo is divided into three realms, the high heavens, the burning hells, and the human world of sanctuary. Ever since their creation, the angels of the high heavens and the demons of the burning hells have been at war with one another. Sanctuary was created by rebel angels and demons tired of the war with their first children being dubbed Nephilim. The descendants of the Nephilim are humanity and our children, or excuse me, lost my place there. The descendants of the Nephilim are humanity and become a focal point for the for both angels and demons who wish to influence them for their own goals due to sharing angelic and demonic heritage. 
Uh, very interesting. My apology, guys. Uh, I am a little bit under the weather this week. Uh, so, yeah, just bear with me here. Um, we'll get through it. The series title character and main antagonist is Diablo, the Lord of Terror. According to the backstory and lore provided by Blizzard Entertainment, Diablo functions as one of the seven great evils presiding over the burning hells. Diablo eventually becomes the prime evil after absorbing the six other great evils, including his two brothers, Baal, the Lord of Destruction, and Mephisto, the Lord of Hatred. Two key characters who oppose Diablo in the series are Deckard Cain, an elderly scholar and the last descendant of the original Haradrim, who serves as the core narrator of lore in the first three Diablo games, and Tyriel, a member of the High Heavens ruling Angiris Council, who is sympathetic to humanity. Due to the ending of Diablo 2 and the events of Diablo 3, some humans begin awakening their Nephilim heritage. This awakening allows them to challenge the final evils and eventually Diablo himself, after he manipulates events to become the prime evil. Though initially imprisoned, Diablo escapes and the Nephilim are perceived as a threat due to felling both angels and demons. Uh, so that is a bit about the overall story of Diablo and kind of what it includes and what it entails. Uh, it has a deep lore. I, I can attest to that. Having played Immortal, having played Diablo 3, uh, Immortal takes place in between games 3, in, in between games 2 and 3. So yeah, Diablo has a very deep lore. It's very detailed. It's very in-depth. So if you like games about demons and angels, and monsters and magics and various uh, powers along with a very great customization system in terms of your character, then I highly recommend Diablo. You know, highly recommend you check it out if you haven't already. Uh, again, it is very, very popular and for good reason. But that's just a bit about the premise of the world of Diablo and what it entails. Now let's switch gears to our next new segment, Curious Crossovers. Uh, not a lot here, but there is a couple of things that crossed over with Diablo, which I found interesting. The first one being Heroes of the Storm. In 2015, Blizzard released Heroes of the Storm, a crossover multiplayer online battle arena video game in which players can control over 15 characters from the Diablo universe as playable heroes. All character classes from Diablo 3, popular classes from Diablo 2, as well as notable characters from the franchise, including Deckard Cain, Diablo, Mathiel, Mephisto, and Tyriel are represented within the game. Heroes of the Storm features two Diablo-themed battlegrounds, Battlefield of Eternity and Infernal Shrines. Various soundtracks from Diablo franchise, such as Jungle, Act 3, and Ancients from Diablo 2, The Reaper of Souls from Diablo 3, are present as background music in the game. Uh, that is really, really interesting. Now, I do remember Heroes of the Storm releasing. I remember looking into it. I also remember watching game play for Heroes of the Storm, and I couldn't get into it. Uh, that's not to say that you guys, you know, won't enjoy Heroes of the Storm. I highly recommend you give it a shot. Um, you know, I've heard good things about it. Uh, it just wasn't particularly uh, a game that I enjoyed. But anyway, that's Heroes of the Storm. The other crossover we have, of course, is World of Warcraft, another massively multiplayer online role-playing game by Blizzard. In fact, World of Warcraft came before Diablo. So characters from the series have also appeared in World of Warcraft. 
a massively multiplayer online role-playing game created and developed by Blizzard, set in the Warcraft universe, usually as Easter egg references or in-game pet companions. Examples include miniature versions of Diablo and Tyreal, a flying mount usable by the player character called Tyreal's Charger, and a composite character named Mercablo. And that's interesting because I actually... I played a lot of World of Warcraft back in the day, and I did not know that Diablo crossed over with World of Warcraft, although it, it makes perfect sense. In fact, if you order the, I think it's the $100 edition, the pre-order for Diablo 4, you actually get some mounts that you can carry over into World of Warcraft and vice versa. Yeah, so definitely no no surprise there that we have some crossover. Uh, Blizzard has a tendency to keep all their games kind of within the same universe. Uh, they also have another game called StarCraft, but I don't think that has anything to do uh, with any of uh, World of Warcraft or Diablo in any sense of the word. So, but yeah, and they never played uh, StarCraft, but I heard it's good. Anyway, that's a couple of the different crossovers that crossover with the Diablo franchise. Uh, now I want to talk to you about some cancellations. Uh, Curious Cancellations is our third new segment of the week, and these are interesting. Um, you may not be aware, even if you are a die-hard Diablo fan, you may not have been aware of some of these Diablo games that were in development and and, off and ended up on the scrap pile, uh, for once a better term. But the first one up we have here is Diablo Jr. Diablo Jr. was the working title for a canceled single-player-only prequel to the original game. It started development after the release of Diablo 2 and was intended to be released in on Game Boy Color and or Game Boy Advance. It was planned to be released in three different cartridges in the style of the Pokemon games, each featuring a different class from original Diablo, Warrior, Rogue, or Sorcerer. The project was eventually scrapped due to the high production cost. I definitely don't blame them there. Uh, creating a Diablo game for Game Boy Color and Game Boy Advance back then, especially in separate parts, it just seems like it would have been an absolute nightmare to pull off. So uh, definitely am not surprised there. Uh, the other cancellation we have here is Project Hades. After the release of Reaper of Souls, uh, which is Diablo 3's expansion, a development team led by Josh Mosquaria began work on a game that would be similar to Dark Souls, codenamed Hades. The project was developed from 2014 to 2016, and featured an increase in difficulty and an over-the-shoulder third-person perspective. Rather than the isometric style of previous Diablo titles, the cancellation of Hades coincided with Muscaria leaving Blizzard. Uh, so, again, uh, kind of glad that one didn't see the light of day either. Uh, again, I think that any kind of Diablo game, you know, knowing what we have now, knowing that we have that over-the-top RPG style you know, trying to turn it into a third person over the shoulder type of deal. I, I just don't think it would have worked. Uh, but then again, maybe it would have. I don't know. Uh, but, in you know, I'm just glad that we didn't get it personally. I don't think it would have worked. But anyway, that's just a couple of the canceled projects as it relates to Diablo. Uh, now I want to talk about some other properties uh, that exist within the Diablo universe. Uh, I want to talk to you a little bit more in depth about some of the novelizations and comic books and merchandise within the Diablo universe as we touched on at the beginning of the episode. Uh, first up, novelizations. The first one is Demon's Bane. Demon's Bane 
2000 is an e-novella written by Robert B. Marks. It appears in print in the Diablo Archive. And I did not look up what the Diablo Archive is. I, I'm assuming it is a uh, just a massive collection of, you know, out-of-print things as it relates to Diablo. The fact that Diablo has its own archive is nothing short of insane to me. Uh, it's really, really cool in my opinion. In the book, Sigurd, the only survivor of the Battle of Black March, unable to remember the battle's final hours, is driven to avenge those slain by the Army of Darkness. As he hunts the demonic army, Sigurd pieces together the truth of that terrible battle and finds his nightmare is just beginning. Demon's Bane was a book published in the spirit of the ebook revolution. However, the market for ebooks was quite small at the time, and despite months of advertising on Battle.net, sales were in the hundreds rather than the projected thousands. So it doesn't seem like it sold as much as they wanted. Before being written, it was decided that Demon's Bane should set the tone for the series and help establish Sanctuary not only as a living, breathing game world, but also as a living and breathing world in literature. As such, Marx did a lot of world building using flavor quotes at the beginning of each chapter. Uh, and that's interesting. It sounds like with the launch of this novel, they were attempting a kind of multiverse, if you will, for Diablo. So very interesting. You know, and, and talking about the novels, there are several Diablo novels on Audible. Uh, I have not listened to them yet. I have, you know, I intend to listen to them at some point. But it seems like this first one, Demon's Bane, would be a good read because it seems like it's meant to set up extra world building and kind of just flesh out the entire world of Diablo as a whole and even expand on it. So very, very interesting stuff here. The next one we have is Legacy of Blood. Legacy of Blood 2001, which was a reissue in 2017, the first novel based on Diablo by Blizzard Entertainment. The book was written by Richard A. Neek. Legacy of Blood is intended for mature readers. It uses the same image as the cover of the Diablo 2 game box. It was collected in the Diablo archive in 2008. The book is written about a group of three men who stumble upon enchanted armor of unfathomable immense powers that they have no clue about. The armor ends up belonging to a past warlord named Bartuk, who was the most brutal of all men to walk the earth, painting his armor each morning with the blood from the battle from his deceased foes. He was a sorcerer who could control demons and use them to his own power to take over cities and countries in order to fiercely reign over the entire earth. He was eventually killed during an enormous battle by multiple people, including his own brother, Horizon. The armor was hidden away in a dark dungeon protected with dark magical powers where it sat dormant, secretly calling to the main character, Norek, Norek was among the three Tomb Raiders when the armor was discovered. The three men were caught in a dire situation, causing Norek to put on the armor and reawaken the power of legions of demons and hell itself. His life would be forever changed, and one would question whether for the better or not. Uh, that is, um, sounds like an insane novel. <laughs> sounds like uh, it's very, very dark, very gritty. Uh, definitely belongs in the world of Diablo. Uh, definitely have to read that one, you know. And, and, you know, if you guys have read any of these books, any of my listeners, you know, email me at thecuriousclubhouse at gmail.com. Let me know, you know, are they worth reading? Because uh, there's quite a few here. Uh, you know, it would be interesting to, to see if any of them are worth my time, you know, rather than reading them and, and finding out that they're not any good. Uh, but I digress. The next novel we have is The Black Road. The Black Road 2002, which was reissued 
which is a reissue in 2018, is a novel by Mel Odom. It was collected in the Diablo archive in 2008. The Kingdom of Shadow, which is another book, The Kingdom of Shadow, uh, which was reissued in 2018 as well, is a novel by Richard A. Neek. It was collected in the Diablo archive in 2008. Uh, we have Moon of the Spider. Um, it is the third novel set in the Diablo universe, Richard, written by Richard A. Neek. So it seems like Richard A. Neek here wrote most, if not all, of the Diablo novels. Uh, but expanding on the moon of the spider, driven by nightmares to the ruins of a mysterious tomb, Lord Aldric Jitan hopes to awaken a terrible evil that has slept since the fall of Tristram. Drawn by the growing darkness in the land, the enigmatic necromancer Zale stumbles upon Jaiten's plot, unaware that one of his own brethren has set these dire events in motion. Now as the celestial moon of the spider rises, the nefarious demon Astroga prepares to unleash his minions upon the world of Sanctuary. Uh, so again, very dark, very gritty. And again, it sounds like the majority of these novels help expand the lore of Diablo. And it sounds like you get a lot of story for Diablo that you don't get anywhere else. So definitely going to have to check some of these out myself. Uh, the next book on our list here is Diablo The Sin War. The Sin War is a trilogy of novel series set in Blizzard Entertainment's Diablo universe written by Richard A. Neek, of course. It tells the story of Oldeason as he is drawn into the battle between the Temple of Triune, run by the Primus under Lucian, the son of Mephisto, and the Cathedral of Light, run by the rebel angel Anarius. Aldacian feels that both sides are corrupt and wants nothing to do with the, uh, either of them. When he is accused of murdering one of their missionaries, he flees his hometown of Serum as he begins to discover his own strange powers. He decides to teach others how to use it and gathers many followers to him, but the temple and the cathedral want his powers for their own and will stop at nothing to get them. That's a very very interesting story there. Uh, Birthright uh, in 2006. Uh, the Veiled Prophet. Uh, these are, again, these are just additional books. Uh, Birthright, The Veiled Prophet, uh, Diablo 3, The Order. So it sounds like we have a, a book novelization of the third game. Diablo 3, Heroes Rise, Darkness Falls. Uh, so another book there, Expanding 3. Uh, Diablo 3, Storm of Light. And Diablo 3, Morbid. So a lot of different novels uh, in the Diablo universe there. Lots of literature uh, to choose from in terms of Diablo. And that is the novels. Uh, now let's talk about the comics. Uh, there aren't nearly as many comics as there are novels. Uh, Tales of Sanctuary by Phil Amara, Dave Land, and Francesco Ruiz Velasco is a comic book released on November 9th, 2001 by Dark Horse Comics. It features three stories. Rage is about Asgard, a druid in his struggle against Baal's minions. The Hand of Nas is about Renet, the Dark Stalker, a barbarian who allies with the necromancer Cairo to find the titular artifact. Hestrad's Bride is about Hale, a, palace, a paladin who saves a girl, Bay, from demons and seeks to protect her. 
In November 2011, DC Comics started producing a five-issue miniseries, Diablo III Sword of Justice, by Aaron Williams, with art and covers by Joseph LaCroix. So, very interesting. I did not know that DC had any hand in the Diablo series, uh, but it turns out they did in the form of a comic book. Uh, So, very interesting stuff there. Now, let's briefly talk about some merchandise. Action figures for the Barbarian character class, the Unraveler, Monster, and the Diablo character were sold in Blizzard's online store and at retailers to complement the release of Diablo 2. An 18-inch collectible statue of Diablo 3's Barbarian class has been produced for sale by Sideshow Collectibles. Uh, And that's just a couple of the figures that I listed. I'm sure there's probably more out there, especially now uh, with Diablo 4 releasing and of course with Diablo 3 having been out in the wild for a while. So that is some of the various properties surrounding the Diablo universe. Now to end our episode as usual, let's talk about some curious and unusual facts about Diablo. I've got nine different facts for you this week, uh, so quite a few here. All of them are very, very interesting. Some of them I didn't know, uh, so you know, uh, we're all learning here. Uh, So some really interesting stuff here, but curious fact number one, Diablo wouldn't exist without the Justice League. Let me repeat that. Diablo would not exist without the Justice League. Let me expand on this. A small independent studio by the name of Condor Games was responsible for creating Diablo before getting into demon slang. Condor worked on a few rather forgettable licensed titles, including a lousy DC Comics fighting game for the Genesis called Justice League Task Force. Now Condor, as far from the only company slumming it in the world of licensed games at the time, another small upcoming company named Blizzard was contracted to work on the SNES port of Condor's Justice League fighter. It was through this collaboration that the leaders of Condor and Blizzard first became acquainted, which led directly to Condor pitching Diablo to Blizzard. The rest is history, as they say. Although the Diablo initially presented to Blizzard was quite different from the game that eventually ended up in players' hands. Uh, Yeah, so definitely, yeah, it just baffles me that originally this small independent game company was developing a Justice League game, and because of that, that ultimately got them to Blizzard, which ultimately got Diablo made, uh, which has ultimately led to this massive franchise that we have today. So, pretty fascinating stuff. It all started with Justice League. Uh, Curious fact number two, the game was originally going to be turn-based. We touched on this a little bit earlier. Yep, the quintessential mouse-smashing action RPG was initially going to be turn-based. Early versions of Diablo worked like a roguelite with you and the monsters in the dungeons taking turns You take a step, they take a step, you swing a sword, they swing a sword, and so on. So that is uh, very interesting. I am so glad that they did not go with the turn-based aesthetic. Uh, I I am, again, not a huge fan of turn-based games. Uh, You know, League of Legends is turn-based. I know a lot of people like League of Legends. A lot of people are big fans. Great, more power to you. I myself am not a huge turn-based style player of games. So definitely glad they went a different direction with Diablo. Curious fact at number three here. Also, it was going to have claymation graphics. Uh, that would have been interesting. Okay, so who else now desperately wants to clobber claymation skeletons and goatmen? 
I know I do. <laughs> uh, claymation graphics. Uh, what a world. Uh, curious fact number four. Your character was supposed to have an actual backstory. The protagonists of Diablo games are always generic ciphers, but apparently that wasn't always the plan. According to Diablo, previews including in, included in Warcraft 2, the hero of Diablo was originally supposed to have grown up in Diablo's hub town of Tristram and was returning to avenge the death of his family. Much of Diablo would have been devoted to solving the mystery of what happened to Yurken, as opposed to chasing down random quests given to you by Townsfolk. And, you know, expanding on this a little bit, I would have been okay if they had kept that backstory and maybe not that specific backstory but if they had went ahead and given the characters some backstory uh you know maybe that would have been too much extra work maybe it would have been way too much for them to to additionally add but i think it would have been cool uh you know maybe it's something that we'll get in a future game uh curious fact number five for much of development diablo only had a single class if you can believe it classes were a relatively late addition to diablo initially the game only had one warrior light class with the emphasis instead being on giving the player creator freedom to craft a unique character makes sense this explains why the hero once had a more detailed backstory and why that backstory was dropped later in development when multiple classes were introduced it also explains why the warrior is the only class shown in a lot of cutscenes, and why the warrior is the one that ends up killing diablo according to official canon uh, and I, I, I wanted to kind of backtrack here. I know I said previously on that Diablo has a really good creation system in terms of your character. Uh, Diablo 3, to my recollection, does not. Uh, you pick your class and your character is pre-programmed for you. However, I, I do believe Diablo 2 Resurrected had a bit of a character builder, maybe. I'm not 100% sure on that. Uh, I'd have to look, but I think it did. But again, I don't think it was a, as expansive as I previously let on, uh, so I do apologize for that. Uh, but curious fact number six, tons of content was cut from the game. While classes made it in at the 11th hour, far more stuff was unceremoniously chopped from the final version of Diablo. Well over a hundred spells, monsters, and items were removed from the final game, although most of them remained on the disc for hardworking hackers to uncover. Some of these items would eventually show up in later expansions and sequels, but many would never see the light of day. Uh, so that's interesting. Uh, kind of a bummer. I, I would love to know what some of that content was specifically. Uh, that was cut from the game. Uh, definitely going to have to look into that uh, and see what I find. <laughs> Curious fact number seven, Diablo originally had a time limit, if you can believe it. Lord, I'm glad they did away with that. One of the most interesting items cut from the final version of Diablo was the map of the stars. The map was a quest item that foretold a moment when the stars and planets would come into alignment, making Diablo even stronger. In gameplay terms, it meant the game originally had a time limit. If you didn't reach Diablo within a certain time frame, he would become far more difficult. Ultimately, developers removed the map of the stars and time limit since it discouraged exploration. 
but the removal was far from seamless. Those who have reached the end of Diablo know the final boss is kind of a pushover, likely because the version of Diablo left in the game was the easy version meant as a reward for getting in under the time limit. That's very interesting stuff there. I did not know that it originally had a time limit. Uh, definitely glad they did do away with it. Uh, and again, full disclosure, uh, I have not played the first Diablo game, so a lot of this stuff is new to me. I'm sure it may not be new to diehard fans, but it might be. Uh, but I, in, in turn, find it very fascinating stuff here, for sure. Curious fact number eight, there is no cow level. Uh, and this is new to me. <laughs> I had no idea about the cow level. Uh, but expanding on this, okay. It's time to talk about the cow level. There's totally a cow level, right? I mean, the first thing you think when somebody mentions Diablo trivia is, oh, wasn't there a weird cow level in the game? There wasn't. The cow level never existed. Perhaps it was a side effect of Diablo being so addictive, people gobbled every scrap of the game's content and wanted more. So somehow, rumors spread that abusing the game's cows in certain ways for certain lengths of time would take you to a magical cow level. To this day, it remains common knowledge that the cow level exists. It does exist in Diablo 2, but sadly not in the original game. So for the love of God, stop doing that to that poor cow. Uh, uh, I included this fact because I just found it super funny, super humorous. Uh, again, I was not aware of the infamous cow level prior to doing my research. Uh, so definitely interesting stuff there. Uh, and curious fact number nine and our final fact of the episode here, guys, and arguably one of the coolest facts, there is a Diablo animated show in the works at Netflix. It's the series will be distributed by both Activision and Netflix. Andrew Cosby is the lead screenwriter. Rumors of the series first surfaced in August 2018. In September 2018, Cosby confirmed that he was in the final talks for the project. Cosby had previously commented that if he were ever to write a Diablo show, it would definitely be rated R. In March 2019, Blizzard Entertainment filed for a trademark for downloadable films and movies featuring narratives based on a video game and provided via a video-on-demand service, the video game in question being the Diablo series. At round about the same time, Cosby tweeted, It's killing me that I can't talk openly about my new super, super secret project because my new super secret project is just so friggin' cool. Soon, very soon. In February 2020, Nick Van Dyke, co-president of Activision Blizzard Studios, revealed through his LinkedIn profile that the series was in pre-production and would be distributed through Netflix. So really, really awesome. Uh, I myself for a while have wondered if we're going to get some kind of adaptation for Diablo, and it looks like we're getting an animated TV series, and it's going to be a mature rated show for sure. Uh, so look forward to that for sure. Now, I can say, expanding on that a little bit, with doing my research, originally, there was a Diablo movie in the works, but apparently, whether it got made hinged on the success of the Warcraft movie that they made, and even though I found that movie to be really good, apparently it did not do very well. 
thus kind of scrapping the plans for the movie. But never fear, we are getting an animated show, uh, and I'm sure it will be fantastic. Looking forward to it. But that's it, guys. That is episode number 23 in the books, all things on the Diablo video game series. I I hope that I did it justice. I hope that you guys enjoyed it. Uh, Again, I'm relatively new to Diablo, uh, but I'm a huge fan now. I'm I'm so pumped for Diablo 4. Again, that open beta drops next month, uh, so look out for that. And there's also, I believe, a closed beta for people who pre-ordered it also at some point next month. Uh, So really looking forward to that. But again, thank you guys so much for listening. If you like what we're doing here, if you enjoy the show, please rate, review, subscribe on your preferred platform player, podcasting player of choice. Uh, If you're on Spotify, give it a five-star rating if you could. Uh, If you're on Google Play, hit that follow button. Uh, you know, so please rate, review, subscribe wherever you listen. Uh, we're also on Audible. We're also on Pandora. I believe we're on Stitcher. Uh, so all major podcasting platforms. So again, thank you guys so much. Uh, next week, I'm going to be taking some time off. Uh, again, I'm a bit under the weather here. Uh, so I'm going to refocus uh, and get some more work done. But next week, we will not have a new episode, uh, but we will be back the following week after that. So no worries. Uh, once again, guys, thank you so much. Stay safe out there. And as always, stay curious.